Hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry Podcast with me, Philip Heitzen, and Dara McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United. And, and Dara, you're uh, enjoying the life in Dubai with a, a win this week. In fact, a couple of wins since we last spoke. And you're in California. You're working. And we did say we were going to try and do one episode while I was out here just so fans don't think, oh, they're only coming back because they won some games. So we're going to get into dispelling the myth of appearing on social media and not appearing... I get accused if we don't win, I'm not on social media. But if people go through, I've answered loads of people when we've lost games. I've found that the days of coming out like 10 years ago and creating salacious headlines, slagging the team and everyone else off and having a temper tantrum doesn't really work. So I'll keep it minimum. I might put a meme up on Instagram if we win. I might say I'm getting into jacuzzi like I did on Saturday. I never even mentioned the football. I was just like, it's a troll-free jacuzzi night. So there was no, no mention of football. So you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But the podcast is consistent. I want to jump in and say, if we were after just listening to numbers, we would only do it when you lose. <laughs> yes, Because exactly. then people want, to, people want to hear a train wreck rather than they want to hear a victory dance. A hundred percent. You're absolutely correct. And that, and, that, and that is true. But I mean, I, as I said to someone on Saturday, I always discuss on a podcast, you know what I mean? And it's just usually nine times out of 10 when we do a podcast, it'll be with, you know, not one, not a bad result. You know, look, you can enjoy a win. You can be really upset with a loss. I get it, you know. It never gives you the right to be abusive. It never gives you the right to just slag someone off. Like I said, the, the wins aren't about me, by the way, because I don't play the football. Just like the losses aren't about me. I'm not out there playing. I don't, I don't pick the 11, the formation. So all I'll say is, yes, it's great when you win. And, you know, we obviously battered one of the best teams in the league on Saturday. We battered Morecambe. I said the Bolton was never a 5 0, anyone who watched it. Um, we battered Fleetwood, but it was one of them. They got one, they were in our box heat map wise once, I think, the whole game. And, you know, pretty much low block to the side of the game. Um, you know, it's been pretty good. I mean, what we're doing at the moment is kind of what I expected since the start of the season as regards to looking formidable, looking competent, looking like we can control the game, looking like we can create a lot of chances. Is it too late? I don't know. At the end of the day, there's 15 games to go. Yes, there's ground to make up because what you've now got is you've got a League One that's probably as good as any League One there has been for a long, old time. You look at the teams, they've all got their act together, the big teams, you know, they're all winning. They're all really, I mean, League One previously has never been like this. I dare say, if you look at points tallies from the past, where we are now, we'd probably be in the playoffs. We'd be in amongst it. We'd be still in with a chance of getting to the top two. Last year was, was a real eye-opener. I think sixth place was like 80 points. You know, it's carried on this year where the top two look like they both could end up hitting 100 points. So it's just a really, really good league. And that's a compliment to the league, the, the, the teams, you know, better management, better players. Just sometimes it's that uh, tough of a league. So, but we're, we're still in it. Even within a league, we're now seeing the gap between the haves and the have-nots, which is creating, you know, less surprises. And that's why you've got the big points differential. Yeah, p- potentially. You know, you've got your, 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 you know, Plymouth, you know, are not a small club. You know, they've, they've got a good crowd base. They're a good-sized club. They were top 12 in the championship when I bought Peterborough. You know, they're having their rise. They were very unlucky last year, and they're a bloody good team. I mean, they were, it was a really good match on Saturday. They've got a brave manager. You know, made brave decisions early on with subs at 2-0 down. They've got players, a squad that they change a lot. They're in the final of the FL Trophy. They deserve to be where they are. And, and it was a hell of a game. And, and they would argue probably, well, 5-2. But we missed a lot of chances. They created a lot of chances. They play a nice brand of football. They're one of the big clubs in League One. Um, you know, then you've got Ipswich, you know, the biggest spenders in the league. Massive club, big crowd base. You've then got Derby who've come down and got a new owner. 
you know, Barnsley are absolutely flying under their manager. They're just on fire. Does that last the whole season? I don't know. Maybe potentially. You know, they battered Derby on Saturday. You got Bolton who are Bolton. You know, about a couple of you know years that have been rough on them are now on their way back up. And as we saw against us, you know, good team. And and have I missed anyone in that top six? Shrewsbury are absolutely on fire. Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, winning the league by a mile. Derby, Barnsley, Bolton, Ipswich, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday. That's the top six. And then even below you, you got Portsmouth, you got Charlton, who you play on Tuesday, I think. You know, another ex-Premier League club, another massive club. So it's a great league. League one's like the championship, isn't it? You know, it's 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 yeah. The toughest, not the toughest, the most quality I've seen in League One. Look, in the, in the old days, we, we beat Leeds and we beat Sheffield Wednesday in the past. And Sheffield United win our league and Southampton. And, you know, last time we went up two years ago, was it Sunderland win our league and, and Hull pipped us to the title. And, you know, but just seems to be this year, there's seven or eight clubs that are um, a cut above the rest. I'm not putting us in that. My expectations were us to be in that, but we were just so poor in the first half of the season that that's why we have such a mammoth task making up. You know, I think we're like 18 points off the top two. Never in a million years with our budget, with what we spent, you know, and again, we we having a go at me, whatever. Did I think with the players we had and the experience that we would, you know, be 18 points off the top two? I think we'd won one and nine before Darren came back. You just, it's crazy at League One. I think that's our worst one at League One level for probably in all the time I've been there, even the years we finished seventh eight nine tenth you know i don't you know one win and nine maybe graham wesley years towards the end were probably not bad but it, it's it's a hell of a league and and you know uh people get excited i i don't get overly excited hammering plymouth you know whatever else because again if you're not on it you could have issues we've got another tough one in charles i'm going to win that then we're going to go to sheffield wednesday we're unbeaten in 20 odd games don't concede goals gonna have thirty-five thousand fans there you know it's going to be a, a big old task for us to really make up for the crap, you know, run of results before to get in there. But my belief has never, ever changed that I felt we had the squad and the players to mount an actual championship challenge. It just didn't materialize. But, you know, you, you, you know you're seeing now we do have a good squad. I mean, our bench on Saturday, Phil, no word of a lie, it was probably the most expensive in wages and probably the oldest bench. Someone said... There was a commentator on BBC that said, oh, the strength of other people's squads compared to ours. And I was like, I found that insulting. On our bench on Saturday was Dan Butler, promotion winner, played in the championship. Frankie Kent, promotion winner, played in the championship. Ollie Norburn, you know, again, experienced player, international player. Chando Fuchs, Nathan Thompson, multiple promotions, played in the championship. You know, and then obviously Chimanga, our new striker signing and a goalie. I mean, it was over a million quid's worth of wages on our bench on Saturday. Not in the squad was was Joel Randall, Ricky J. Jones, you know, again. So there's some good squads in this league. And Plymouth have a great squad. Bolton have a good squad. But it's like everything else. If you're not on it, you're going to lose a football game. And the one thing I'll say for seven games, even the Bolton game, we've been on it. We've been playing well. There's a certain identity to the way we play. Let's see if, it's, if there's enough time left. We're going to have to be on an unbelievable run. We've got to be unbelievably consistent, probably when 70, 80% of what's left of our games to make a late run into the playoffs and see where that takes us, if by chance we do that. But we're going to need some of those clubs above us to maybe win one and three. And I'm not sure any of them are going to do that. You know, it's just, like, it's just unbelievable. Every time you're watching and you're winning, you hear the commentator go, I'm Barnsley at 3-0 up after 10 minutes. I'm Bolton are 4-0 up after 40 minutes. And Sheffield Wednesday have got another clean sheet. You know, and it's just like, God, it's relentless. So that's just the way it is. Look, that's our fault. 
if that's the way it's to be, it's because of what transpired before and, you know, we didn't perform. That will be our fault. That's football. How do players go into a game like the Sheffield Wednesday game? You say 35,000 plus there. Is that a, a lift or is that intimidating? Well, you have to win against Charlton and then you have to go into that game. And it's, you know, I, I almost said to the manager before the Plymouth game, it's win or go home. You know, the, the, the level is just, it was nine points. It was this, it was that. It's, it's like, you know, 15, 16 games to go. The, the margin for error again is just like slim as anything so i think you have to go in and play to your strengths i i, I think if you go to sheffield wednesday and try and dig out a counter-attack in one nil win they're going to turn you over and demolish you so i think you know we're at the point we had like a we had the trinity in the hall of fame on friday night with the, the promotion squad together i was gutted not to be there and i said to darren when he went to it i said take in that remember what it was like when we had those teams where we didn't give a fuck who we played we didn't care if we were 2-0 down away at a top team. We had goals all over our team. And we didn't care if we won 5-3, 6-4, 7-3, 3-2, 4-3. were the scores. They, 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 that's what stood us out against everyone else and put fear into the teams because we could score goals. Well, guess what on Saturday? That was a retro scoreline, 5-2. That was like posh from 12 years ago. And our strength is in attack. Like We've got good defenders, but we haven't defended well this season enough. But we have good defenders, but our strength is in attack. If we're going to go and try and get clean sheets and win games that way, we've got no chance. So I always go, at this stage in the season, play to your strengths. And, and as much as people worried about goals in our team and da-da-da-da-da, we're one of the top three teams in League One for chances created. You know, Now we have to deliver on that. And with our attacking threats and whatever else, we have goals all over our team. So let's worry about scoring more goals in the opposition. Because if you go to a Sheffield Wednesday or play a Charlton or play whatever, and you're worried about them and worried about clean sheets and worry, forget it. Forget it. It's the wrong mindset. And I think at this stage in the season, it's, it's, it, you go hell for leather. It's all or nothing. And you've got to play every game like that. You can't leave anything out there. Hence why you lose 5-0 to Bolton when they had 16 chances and you had 16 shots. That's just what's going to happen. I'd rather that than go and lose 1-0 to a Fleetwood. Yeah, you know, it, you know, I, I, I'd rather go and give it everything. You know, like Fleetwood, they had a low block, they stopped. We didn't create any real great chances against Bolton. We did, and I, I kind of knew after Bolton, it was funny to say. I said it to my missus. You know, we could have battered someone today. We actually created so many. We we, we could have battered, and, and we get Plymouth, and again we're on. Our, so we need to be like that, but not getting carried away. I'll leave it to the lads. Look, the, the club's in a good place because the eighteen have won six in a row. Yeah, the twenty ones are winning games consistently. They won five 0 last week against Birmingham. You know the youth levels are all doing really well. Our younger players have come back from loan spells and they're looking real players. You know, so that for me, forget about results in League One. Great, brilliant. Let's keep that up. It's what's happening behind the scenes to see the eighteens win six in a row at the level they're now playing at and some of the teams they're beating. It's just incredible. So, and the women's football team again. Are yeah, like, I was going to give a shout out to the women's team. <laughs> no, they're, they're overachieving, you know what yep. I mean, compared to like budgets and everything else. You know, what Bobby, you know, and Dan are doing with the 18s and the ladies and whatever else, I'm, I'm very proud of them. You know, like they're doing just magnificent. And they, you know, because of the financial differences, you know what I mean? The, the budget's not there, but they're forcing our hand and going, look at us, we're ready to go. So, I, you know, Bobby's sending me a three and a five-year plan the other day based on how do we go up the leagues? How do we improve this? Because I want to give them a fighting chance. You know, the dream in the future is can they sustain and play at our ground and bring in the income that would, would put the expense of doing that up? And, and, and absolutely, that's something that's not going to happen this year and next year. But as you grow and grow, right now they're playing on a non-league ground and getting 500 fans. You know, we can get that three, four times that. 
and bring in the sponsorship and the money, well, then they're, on, they're getting close and, and then they can pay their own way and they can use our ground on a Sunday. So those things are really, really, you know, making me smile. And I guess there's just a real feel-good factor around the club. This isn't about, you know, Darren Ferguson. Darren, Darren's here at the end of the season. It's what we want. It's what he wants. But the one thing he's very good at is he's very good at not just picking a team on a Saturday and going out and trying to win games. He's good around the place. He's good with the staff. He's good with people behind the scenes. He's good with the youth academy. He's good with the 21s. He's, you know, you won't find a, a miserable face or a bad word from anyone behind the scenes about him because he's very good at that. You know what I mean? And, and that's why I'm always grateful when I wanted him back was like, we need six months of that. You know, yes, I can go and try the shiny new thing, but they're going to be distracted and they're not going to look at everything else at the club. They're just going to be first team driven. Whereas he's an experienced guy and he's like, I, I can do this. And I can do this. And, and, and that's what's really important. I've just come off the phone with him just now, actually. So, um, so yeah, so all good. You know, we're going to lose games, of course we are. But we want to win the majority of the games left. That's the only chance we have. And, and like I said, it's win or go home most of the time. <laughs> we haven't had one of those runs yet this season. So I guess the hope is that there's, there's one of those runs in you. And if there is one of those runs in you, then this is the time. If we do, by some chance, go on one of those runs, you have to like what we're about. Because, you know, our, the squad we have, if they run into prime form, no matter who we play. And there'll be teams looking at the result on Saturday, finally going, they're living up to what we usually say. You know, I've heard managers forever and early in the season go, oh, Peterborough, you know, great attack, great this, great whatever else. And then we go and lose 1-0. Or, you know, we don't have a shot all game or whatever else. And it's just like, uh, uh, you feel like a fraud. They're building you up to be this thing that you're not because you're not actually delivering on it. Whereas now... There is genuine, you know, when somebody says, Jesus, you know, they, they've got goals in them. They're a dangerous prospect. They're a good team. You genuinely now believe them instead of thinking they're giving you lip service, which I felt they were doing earlier in the season, you know. So, you know, it's an inter- it's a fascinating league. It really is, um, you know, and, and let's see. But, but you know, finally, we're, we're, we're starting to show our teeth. There's a lot of players who are playing their best football, coming into the team, making a difference. The squad are being used. The stubs are being effective. All of those, like Darren said, three key things. Can you get the away record going? I think he's won three out of four away from home, should have beaten Fleetwood. Can we um, beat some of the top tier teams in the league? We've just done Plymouth, who are one of the best teams in the league. The next thing is, can you come from behind and win consistently? Get those three things right, you know, and, and, and do it at the right time. You got a chance. But let's see, you know, at the end of it, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy for the fans. I'm happy for the fans who, who don't troll and don't moan and don't scream and shout, whatever else. You just like are, are, are so patient and persevere and stick with the team. And they're getting like just rewards and going, oh, really enjoying this. You know, that, that, was, that was a pleasure to watch. So that, that's nice to see. Well, let's just stick in League One for a little bit because we talked uh, obviously about a few of the teams in there and just uh, managerial changes. So um, Gareth Ainsworth leaving Wickham for QPR. And I guess when you look at Gareth's, History, it may not be a surprise, but it's still a surprise given that he's been at Wickham for so long for him to leave. I don't think he would have left for any of your club. I, I know, in fairness, one of, the, one of the Wickham owners reached out to me on Twitter. I mean, they're the good guys, the two guys there, you know. And um, I think he was so comfortable there and he's been there for like 10 years. And they're a bloody good team this season. You know, again, people forget like the last three years, promotion, relegation by the skin of their teeth when they came good late. And then going to Wembley again last year. You, you know, I, I don't think people are giving them enough credit. And I know Wickham fans love to have a go at me. It was a thing on one of their programs recently about doing the double over Peterborough. And we talk about the vote and all of that. But I can be a person when I do a podcast who, who's not about 
hatred or, or, or memories or what you did three years ago or what I think or whatever else I can say, good owners, Ainsworth's done a really good job there. And I think the only job he would have left for bar a Premier League miracle offering him millions would have been QPR because of his history with QPR. So it, it'll be fascinating. And then they've gone straight away and got their former player from Colchester who's doing well there. So that was a good good fix for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that affects them because they were one of my dark horses because they beat us 3-0. They're just, they're, they're experienced, they're big, they're, they're strong, they're physical. They know how to win games. It'll be interesting to see how that transition is now with the new manager. If he's if he's an Ainsworth disciple because he played for him for so long and, and how he takes it upon. I'll be interested to see how QPR give the patience to him because he has a certain style of football, a certain way. Some people will love it, some people won't. I, I go back to Steve Evans, but he gets results. Um, you know, it's it's the way they are. They're they're very cute. They're very clever. I think he'll be a success at QPR. Mm-hmm. I do. So let's see. It's interesting you say about giving time because you see these managers, you know, um, Potter at Chelsea, another one, right? They- well, Potter's getting the time. Potter's getting time. I mean, he's getting time. He's getting time to fucking not win a lot of football games. I mean, he is. Say what you want about Chelsea. If that wasn't American owners, he'd been stacked twice over. I mean, I think it's one win in 12. You're, you're at a club for 10 years. You build up, you know, everything related to that club and you take the risk to go and six months later, you're out of a job. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, look, Let's not harp too much. He'll get paid twenty million if he does lose his job. So, um, and he'll be back in employment again. He's a very good manager. For whatever reason, it's not working. It's it's Chelsea are having a different reason for Liverpool. Because Chelsea got six hundred million reasons to be unhappy, but they've got six hundred million reasons to be happy next summer because some of the players they've recruited are unbelievable, and they're going to recruit more. Whereas Liverpool have a whole set of different reasons. And and I just spoke to Darren on the phone and said, "Isn't it amazing the difference a good manager makes?" Man United a year ago. Liverpool were battering them 5 0. And if you'd said to me within 12 months, United were on for the quadruple, Liverpool were struggling to finish 10th out of all the cups by February, I would have gone, something mad's happened. Klopp's left. He's been fired. And it just shows you what a good manager can do. You know, Man United basically have got the big difference in their team has been, you know, Martinez and Casemiro getting rid of your Pogba's, your Ronaldo's, your Jesse Lingard's, the characters he's brought in. And he's only yeah, and getting the best out of Rashford. But if you look at the team, I think, who won on Saturday the League Cup or on Sunday, nine of the 11 played against Brentford when they got battered was at 4-0. So that is good football management. Sometimes when fans go, like Liverpool fans and me at the moment, they go, oh, we need 10 new players. We need to like, rebuild the whole thing. Sometimes you don't. You just need a good spine coming in. It's no different than the corporate world. You know, I deal a lot in transformations in the corporate world. And it's oftentimes just the leader that has a different vision, that re-inspires people. Change of leadership. Get, gets rid of some of the dead wood. Um, but it's not about wholesale changes all the time. It's just tweaks and knowing which tweaks to do. Baby out with the batwater. You know, I saw somebody who I respect a lot who, who writes as a young journalist. He follows me on Twitter, follows the posh. Uh, he'd written a tweet a couple of weeks ago. And probably what went through my mind at stages this season, he'd written in the tweet, these players need to go. I'm sick of some of these. They've been here three, four years. We need a rebuild. We need this. We need that. I've always said it's not a rebuild. It's a retool. But I sympathized when he wrote the tweet. The only thing I didn't agree with was he said in the tweet, and someone else needs to build and recruit. You know, again, going, well, okay, fair enough. But I, I get all the anger about championship recruitment. It's a different wallet you're playing with. It's a bit difficult. But we've done all right in League One recruitment-wise over the years. You know, you're enjoying the team on Saturday. They weren't just pulled out of the sky. They weren't signed on, you know, off the park and you're free and whatever else. It was, it was put together. You know, some of the players have been here three, four years. They were put together in a period of time over three windows. So is, is that recruitment now suddenly, well, I can't have that. 
you know, if you want your team to get out of the league one and get promoted, what's the problem with the recruitment that's done well enough to get them out of there a few times? So, you know, of course, mistakes are always made in recruitment and nothing's ever perfect. But I, it just made me think when I was reading it, going, sometimes I lie in bed thinking, hey, you strip the whole lot. 14 have got to leave. 14 have got to come in. And it's the emotion of seeing a shit performance, the emotion of seeing your team lose. It's the emotion of going, some, just football is such an emotional game that, you know, as my missus said to me yesterday, she's amazing. When you lose two or three games, you never feel like winning. I know what you're like. Well, I'm like, yeah, because you can't, you can't see where your next win's coming from. And all you, and, and you tend to be, you tend to react to emotionally and just everything's like managers get fired really quickly, you know, and, and whatever. And, and, and I've always said, I've changed over time where now I, I actually don't necessarily fire management for results. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. And I haven't sacked a lot of managers over the last few years. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, and if I have, it's not just about results. It's the whole thing, you know? So, so look, at the end of the day, a lot of people have lost their jobs. I mean, I didn't even know Neil Critchley had the QPR job. That's how out of touch I was with everything going on at Posh. I hadn't even realized he'd gone from Villa to there and then lasted 10 minutes. And I always, I always rated Neil Critchley. Yeah. But, and, and some people would say, why do you leave Blackpool? Because you, when you're in the industry, it's not just about success. It's also about ambition. And it's also about family and money. If you're in any job and you're in procurement and somebody comes to you tomorrow and says, Phil, you run your own company and you earn 200 grand a year, 300 grand a year. But we want you to step up and we want to pay you a million pounds a year. You're going to do it, right? You're going to, you're going to leave your own company. You're going to say goodbye and you're going to take the paycheck. Because at the end of the day, family and, and, and all those things that go with family, you need to pay the bills. Yeah, you know, when I was in the early days of my career, I definitely moved a few times for money. And, you know, you look back in and think, was that the right move? But, you you know, I mean, that's that's part of the, you can't blame people for doing it. Um, only us as supporters are passionate about our own club at the end of the day. And, you know, you as an owner, passionate about your club. The people within the game, yes, they may build affinity to your clubs, but at the end of the day, their family comes first. I was 19 when I was working in Timeshare, um, 19, 20, and I did really well in my first six months. And I got headhunted after six months to go work in Hong Kong, and I agreed to go. Then it fell down at the last minute because the guy who was going and doing it all, there was visa issues. So another company recruited me. And they were paying me two grand extra a month. I was earning commission of a grand a week. And this was 28 years ago. And this other company paid me two a month extra. And my old boss, two months in, came back to me and said, we were drinking all in the same place one night. And he said, what will it take to get you back? And I'll give you a team. And I'll do this and do whatever else. And I said, well, match what I'm on and give me a penthouse. And I want a jacuzzi in the penthouse. You know? <laughs> and he was like, I was like 20, 21. And I said, no, I want a car. And he was like, done. Done, done, and done. Come on Monday. And he said, I'll give you the keys to the place. I'll give you the car and I'll make sure you have everything you need. And that was it. So, so sometimes you're yeah. a whore for a better offer. There was no, yeah. I knew the way the industry worked. People got fired all the time. You know, sales staff were wiped out all the time. You had a new project directed the following week with a whole new team. So it was for me, it was the, the, the price of the check, the bigger check, I was gone. You know, I read something this morning about Mark Hughes, how he's just had his year anniversary of being a manager. And now he's the 40th longest serving manager in the EFL. Crazy. Something crazy. Crazy. After only crazy. a year in the job. It's mad. I mean, the championship, I think, have got rid of 85% of their managers this year. Yeah. And, um, you know, Carl Robinson, I think, lost his job yesterday. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So I like Carl. Um, but, uh, I mean, if he was honest with himself, it, it, two things, well, it, it reminded me maybe of Darren the second time around there. 
where it, it just got stale. So you have to do one or two things. You get rid of the manager or you get rid of the whole team. And obviously the appetite in Oxford was the team's better than the manager, so we get rid of him. Obviously, Carl's done all right there. He's taken to playoffs, playoff finals. You know, he's played some good football. But it's obviously after five years got stale. But he'd also, you know, argue he wanted to buy Jack Marriott in January. You know, he rang me personally over and over. He wanted that goal scorer. And I told him, you know, he's, he's going to the highest bidder. And he was like, well, we can only do, you know, a loan, a loan deal. And I said, well, I'm sorry, he's not available for loan. And they made offers and made offers and whatever else. But at the, at the end of the day, he needed a goal scorer. And he felt, obviously, that was like a missing thing for him that, you know, was a big part of their struggles. And, um, and I felt for him because, you know, Carl had always told me he had three or four of the richest owners in the football league. You know, so I was always fair play. You know, they've got a, a training ground project. They've got a stadium project. They've got some serious wealth. You know, sometimes you have to go the extra mile for your manager. You've got to do what you've got to do. And I don't want headlines in the Oxford press saying I'm having a go at their owners. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying what my experience with Carl was in January. Yeah, the constraints that he was working under. Yeah, which is fine because maybe it's the right way to do things. Maybe, you know, I, I can't criticize any League One club. If you're going to write an article, put this in there without the headline, that maybe it was the right thing to do for them. They don't want a bloated budget because we've got ahead of ourselves at times and we've overspent and we've overpaid. And then you're left with a whole different set of headaches that you're trying to navigate yourself out of. As much as you want to please your fans, at the end of the day, you want to do things the right way and pay your bills and run, run a sustainable ship. Hence all the stuff this week with the EFL and, you know, the, the, the review and the paper that's come out and, and, and the suggestions from the government are going to get involved. So, you know, that's the reason we're here in the first place because so many clubs got in trouble. So fair play if that's the, the route that we're going down. But if someone asked me in Oxford a few weeks ago, would you fire Carl? And I was like, at the time, yes, I would have, you know, because there's no way with that squad, they should be anywhere where they are in the league. So again, it's a case of, do you stick with him and get rid of the squad? But I guess they're worried about where they are. But it's a good team. Yeah, and I feel like Carl will get an, a, another good job. I mean, I think that... One million like you percent. say, maybe it's just stale. You know, he's a good manager. Listen, uh, the, the problem there is the competition. He's going to be up against Grant McCann. He could be up against Darren Ferguson in the summer. You're going to have some very good managers on the block three, you know, that are out there. So it will be interesting to see. But maybe it had gone stale and he had his opportunity during COVID when they squeezed in and they were in the playoffs, you know, the whole vote thing and whatever else. And they got to the final and they lost to Wickham. So maybe that was that was their one chance. Um, but he, overall, I think he's done a pretty good job there and he's generated some good player transfer sales for them as a club. They've done like a bit of a Peterborough, you know, some of the business they've done. So listen, they won't be short of an application. It's a hell of a club, a hell of a proposition. It'll be interesting. They've got wealthy owners. So let's see. Well, let's uh, let's move on Bradford. to uh, yeah. Ooh. So I texted you right after, didn't I? The old wind double, posh wind double. Yeah, we'll have fifteen more we've, of them. We've, <laughs> we've had too few of those this season, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we need more of them. Yeah, go Bantams. It goes from the ridiculous of losing at home one nil to Barrow. I, I saw it and I was like, that's a terrible result. I was go, I, I did, I, I texted you. I was like, that's, a, you know, was it eighteen, nineteen thousand people or whatever it was? That's a terrible result. That's one of the ones where you shut the laptop as soon as the full time whistle goes, and you don't want to you want to forget it. But you know, we had I don't have the stats in front of me, so off memory, I think it was something like seventy two or seventy eight percent position. We had something like six hundred and ninety passes, you know, higher than any of the Premier League teams on the day, uh, and we didn't have one shot on goal. Uh, we've had days like that. You'd still be playing now and not scoring that game. Some, sometimes the football gods. The football gods are like that, you know. You, you'd st- I, I said it against Bolton with sixteen shots. I, I swear. We'd still be playing Bolton now and, and probably have 50 shots and not score. So just sometimes football's like that. It throws it up. But listen, forget the negative. 
You're right. You're right. You're right on there. What a win that was on Saturday. I mean, that was a proper win. Away, 4,000 traveling fans. You know, what was it, 1-0? Proper, proper. Yeah, you're a bit of a 1-0 team, bit of a George Graham throwback now with some of the results you get. Well, you know, we got Andy Cook, who's now scored 20, and then our next high score has got four. So it's not exactly like there's a lot of goals going through that team, you know, except for Andy Cook. Here's my advice. It's going to be controversial. It's going to create a few headlines. I'm telling you now. If by some chance you don't go up this season, I still think you've got a great chance. And Mark Hughes doesn't want to do it in the summer or goes on to another club, whatever. I told you to hire Steve Evans a couple of years ago, and I realized Steve and the German a bit of a rotten run. Go convince Darren Ferguson to travel further than 50 miles from his home and get, get him out of Bradford. If you, want, if you want champagne football, proper football, you, you know, I'm talking like you've seen it with the posh and whatever else. And you can all, everyone criticizes him about the championship, whatever else. Phenomenal manager, promotion winner, multiple promotions at a league two, by the way, has rebuilt clubs who've gone down like Donny. If you want to go break the bank, go off from a helicopter to our, our hey, only, <laughs> uh, only come work three, four days a week. You can go home and spend we'll build you a road family. directly to Valley Parade. Do, do what you got to do because obviously he's comfortable. It's where he lives. He's happy. But like I'm telling you now, you know, I, I would take it to the bank. I'd go, if I could bet, I'd go to the bookies myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, on that one, you know. So I'm just saying, if, if Sparky decides to move on, if Bradford, for whatever reason, are back to square one on the management thing, go and get the gaffer. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm sure he'll have his own ambitions and you probably want to manage in fucking Europe or maybe, I don't know, in the championship, whatever else. But when a club like Bradford calls and the project's right and there's, there's a project in front of it, yeah, any top manager should want to take that job. Um, so yeah, so there's a controversial take for you. Well, it was a a, a cracking crowd, you know, like you say, four thousand away fans there, brilliant, uh, making a lot of noise. Um, we're doing a um, the um, tickets for a fiver this weekend. We got Colchester at home on Saturday, so you know, trying to get twenty thousand plus there on Saturday. You, you shouldn't need to give your tickets away. You shouldn't need to. I, I'd be charging more, but I'd make sure that you're winning three and four and five one and five two at home. I'd be saying, look. You can have your fiver and your one nil last minute winner, or you can go and spend you know thirty quid or whatever it might be, and you can have four, five, two, five, three, twenty chances. You know that you know that crowd. I'm sure they'd happily pay for some champagne football. You know what I mean? But listen, the fiver thing works, I guess, and it fills the place up. But well, I mean, we'd, we'd have eighteen thousand without it. Correct. So uh, Correct. let's see how far we go with Correct. it. If, you, if you're winning every week and scoring loads of goals at a club that size, you, you wouldn't need to be offering a fiver, would you? Well, fair play to the club. No, so it was great, uh, a great win. Uh, we who do we have coming up? We've got Gillingham away tomorrow. One of those where we should have played them when they were they couldn't find a goal. And uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. What we shouldn't we shouldn't be afraid of anybody. Correct. If you want to get out of this league, I, I, as I said to Darren last week, we were speaking with Plymouth and the build up and everything else, and everyone was on, and I was like, they've been brilliant, but we, we're not playing Real Madrid on Saturday. You know, at the end of the day, you're not playing Real Madrid. You're playing Gillingham. Like, you know, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we, oh, my God almighty, we're the biggest team ever. You know, they should be worried about playing Bradford. You know, so, so look, if you want to get promoted whatever else, yes, Gillingham have had a revival and they're doing great. Well done to the new owner. But you got to go and beat Gillingham away. So that, that's the way it goes. And our away form has been better than our home form. So uh, Colchester's probably the one to worry about more than Gillingham. But we'll see. You know, I think that we've had a good we've had we've run on a good run of form barrow aside um it's still not you know playing teams off the park it's very slow possession based football 
which has over relied on Andy Cook. But as long as we keep getting the wins, you know, let's see where that takes us. It's so close in League Two. How far are you off the third place? Uh, let's have a look at the table here. Um, Any problem? I should be able to give me that answer straight away. Yeah. <laughs> After every win, you should be looking at third. <laughs> I'm going to give it the direct answer. Well, I don't look at the league table. And I'll be honest with you, only on Saturday after the 5-2 that I said Derek Ferguson on the phone, Gaff, for the first time all season, I've just had a quick peek. We're 18 points behind Plymouth with two games in hand. How do you fancy making 12 points up in 15 games? I think I had 20 drinks at the time, Jeremy, no chance. Okay. But yeah, he, he was like, will you stop getting carried away? <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so we are six points off third, ah, off Stevenage in third. Ah, come on. So, yeah, we're on 51. Teams in the playoff, 52, 52, 54, 55. And then Stevenage in third, 57. And Carlisle in second, 58. So we're seven points off. Therein lies the difference of League 1 and League 2. We're on the same points as you, and we're 18 points off automatic promotion. You're six points off automatic promotion. You're one point from the top six, and and we're basically what, top seven. Top seven, and we're seven, eight points off the top six. I mean, that that there is your difference of, of maybe quality. Dare I say, in League One, League Two. Yeah, you look at um, what have we got? So, and ironically, Sheffield Wednesday have the same points in top place as Leighton Orient do. Mad, mad, absolutely mad. Leighton Orient are flying. Listen, or Orient are up. Orient up. And fair play, I'll give a shout out to Carlisle. We don't speak about Carlisle. They're absolutely flying. Flying. I mean, scoring goals, putting up wins, fair play. Um, you know, I think they have a manager who's come back three or four times, haven't they? So- yeah, because and he came back when they were in the crap last year from uh, memory serves me right. They were looking at bottom two when he came back in. Good football management. So, again, flying. And they're another one of those where, you know, Fon and up at halftime this week, they just fly out the gates. And yep, interesting. Credit to I, I, I looked at the top seven in League Two. I couldn't call any of it, even the teams behind. You know, Swindon are obviously right behind you. Salford are having the best season of their life in League Two. Then we dropped to non-league and see, fuck, Notts County. Fucking, they lost on Saturday. Fucking, here come Wrexham. I mean, my God almighty. I was kind of like, oof. Every point counts, doesn't it, in that one? Yeah, you're almost calling time on the season the minute that happened with two games in hand. So it was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, two points behind, two games in hand for Wrexham. Yeah, you can't see Wrexham losing another game, can you? So it's just uh, fascinating, you know? The leagues are all, bar the championship, which is turning into be a bit boring. I know Middlesbrough were nearly making up ground with Sheffield United, but you're pretty much going, Burnley, Sheffield United are going up. League one, you're saying Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth, I still think will go up. League two, you're thinking, definitely. I think Carlisle are on fire. They'll go up with Leighton Orient, and then it's going to be can Stevenage regain what they were doing well because they've obviously lost steam recently. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. How about so we got the Premier League? Who's your three to go down at this stage in the Premier League? Southampton. I think everything will go down. Do you think this is their time? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, because I don't think they have any goals in their team. Um, Southampton, Everton. And who would I pick out of that a bit higher up? There's one team that could fall, you know, who's like maybe six, seven places above there. I'm not sure. Unformed Palace. Are, um... I was going to say, but I, I, I watched Liverpool fucking useless against Palace and it was the most boring game. I watched it here in Dubai the other night. It was like, Liverpool were awful. I'm not as awful as the second half against Real Madrid, but awful. Um, I do. I think there'll be a surprise. Could be Palace, could be Leicester. I don't want either of those teams to go down. You know, I like the people behind the scenes, but 
yeah, I mean, who knows? But I do, I think Southampton, Everton, and one other one. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's not talk about the top of the Premier League or Liverpool. So that's we've, we've spoken enough about Liverpool. So or the Champions League. You already threw in Real Madrid, so that's enough uh, on that one. Uh, you asked my myth as a 2-0. I was proclaiming we were back, you know? And we were like, <laughs> and then I was saying, how far are we mm-hmm. from in the Premier League? You know what I mean? It was just like, no, don't, don't, even, don't even start, you know what I mean? I was just like... Oh God Almighty! That you know, Joe Gomez. God bless him. Oh, jeez, don't even get started about Liverpool. Yeah, bigger conversation for another day. Have you been reading about Rafa Benitez supposedly being lined up should West Ham decide to sack David Moyes? They won't sack David Moyes, and rightly so. I mean, they won four 0 the other day, and uh, at this stage of the season, West Ham are far too good. Look, they've underachieved. They've been crap this season, but they are far better. They won't go down. And um, David Moyes is a proper manager. Will they change him in the summer? I don't know. But I, I, something tells me they're going to go on a winning run. They would, you know, no. And Rafa Benitez would be the last person you need to come in. We like watching paint dry. David Moyes feels to be one of those where they're just having a bad season. You know, he's not, he's, he's done a lot of good for them. You've let him loose with a, they've let the kid loose with a checkbook in the sweet shop and they've gone out and they've spent a lot of money. And, and sometimes, again, a great advert for it's not always about spending money because they were brilliant last year and then they go and spend 157 million. And they're absolutely crap this year. But I, I, you know, look, God bless David Gold passed away recently. So we've got close affiliation with West Ham. Sullivan gets a lot of, you know, criticism and whatever in his family. They shouldn't. Um, they've overachieved. They've done really well. Um, they're having a down season. I think they'd be fine. When all is said and done, four or five wins and West Ham are 12th. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be losing sleep. And hopefully the players they brought in this year will then next year. You know, Danny Ings, for example, that's a good owner. West Ham were struggling for goals. They wrote a check for Danny Ings, whatever it was, 14, 15 million. Other, I think Southampton, other teams wanted to buy him. And he scored two of the goals in the 4-0 win. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. Xavi uh, Gracia, uh, Leeds, appointed the Leeds boss. Yeah, yeah, good call. I, I liked him at Watford. I think he was unlucky there to lose his job. Uh, good manager. I think he'll get Leeds. I, I like the squad of Leeds. I like the players. I've always said that. Underachieved massively. Jesse March wasn't good. Um, I think he'll be. I think they'll do okay. I think, uh, unlike others, I think Leeds do have some explosiveness in their team, um, goals-wise. So, and I think they recruited pretty well. I actually think Southampton recruited pretty well, but it's too late. So, yeah, I, I fancy Leeds to be fine as well. Interesting. You know, if I could pick one, that would be my mine of the three to go down. But that's just our rivalry. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Don't be causing enemies for the podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll be getting English Rob uh, on Twitter having to go at me now, but. <laughs> Listen, you and English Rob will never fall out as long as you can have that joint <laughs> hatred for Ronda Santos. Uh, I rang up Newhall and I said, hey, how much will it cost to get my mate back to California? He's fucking bitching and moaning on Twitter about the great state of Florida. And they said, Mr. McAnthony, we will give it to you for free. It's actually really, really cheap going back that way. It's actually U-Haul from California to Florida is like 10 grand yeah, for a truck. Because everyone's coming many, out here. As there's so many Californians. I think you lost 700,000 people last year and we had 800,000 the other way. And I said that, and they said, so we'll happily give Mr. Anderson, we'll give him a free truck. It's not a problem. We need to relocate the truck back to California. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, but listen, English Rob will be fine. He'll be fine. All right. Don't worry. You you two will be fine. (laughs) So talking of the States, MLS kicked off this week. Yeah. Apple's deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, We went to the Orlando game. Right. On Saturday. What was it like? It was a really good atmosphere, actually. Our youngest wore his posh um, kit. Hey, so, good uh, man. Good man. We had some folks coming, and uh, you know that caused a little bit of a stir. 
I like for it. people seeing him. So uh, I like it. I uh, like he was it. representing. We had one in his city city gear and one in his posh gear. Hey, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with supporting the team as long as we're in different leagues. You know what I mean? That's where it can become a bit tough. But I, I like that. You know what I mean? Tell him well done for me. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm reading about it in the Athletic today. Really, the article. Obviously, Apple paid 2.5 billion for the 10 year deal. And a lot of the, they took a lot of the, the um, ESPN journalists across, and the Apple coverage is getting great grading. They've put it together a really good package. They've made the games at the same time. You know, I, I don't know if you've signed up for the package, but you can watch every game basically. We got season tickets this year, and um, we got it as, as part of the season ticket package. So, actually, what was really good for us was. Um, in the ground, you know, you can basically watch it on your phone while you're in the ground. So when there was replays, and I'm showing the kids are kind of wondering what happened. So I'm able to bring out the coverage on Apple TV and show them on the, the phone what happened and how it happened and stuff. And that was really great. How are we friends and podcast partners? You're, you're a bleeding heart liberal. You're a Democrat. You're pretty much from California, you know, even though you're obviously in the UK and Michigan and everything else. You know, you hate all the politicians I love. And now you're going to the one place I fucking hate because of them fucking me over a deal to buy a football club. I mean, what, what on earth? Like, <laughs> I'm a forgiving guy. <laughs> it just shows that you don't need to be like all the same things. But it is a different ownership now. It, it is and it isn't. I know 20% still owned by the previous guys. So it, it is and it isn't. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And the Brazilian guy who owns it or whatever else, he lives next door to me in Harvard. So. You know, fair play to them, you know. But look, it is what it is. I'll never, I'll never watch them. I'll never support them. But that's just me. But that's because, you know, personal or whatever. So it is what it is. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say we, I support them, but I want the kids to experience life. You've football. got season tickets. Of course you fucking support them. You've got season tickets. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because Hen Henry, our producer, is, he, he, to his credit, he was featured in the New Yorker this week. Talking I saw it. You put it up on Twitter yeah. and whatever else. Listen, you yeah. can tell fucking H from me. You can kiss my ass. All right, because obviously I got him uh, boardroom tickets for the Bolton game. Yeah. He's a Bolton fan. So he sat in the director's box, didn't he, hobnobbing for the Bolton game. He had the audacity to actually email me a thank you after winning 5 0. I was like, could you not wait 48 hours, you cunt? <laughs> <laughs> a fair play. But yeah, no, no, no. See, because Henry does a lot of YouTube stuff and MLS stuff and everything else. No, so yeah, he, has a, he co produces an MLS show um, no, fair play. for the UK. Um, fans, so um, you know, like I say, for us, I want the kids to see football. Like, oh, I get it. there's something I get different, it. you know. When they watch, when they watch it on TV, they can kind of give, take it or leave it. But when they're actually in the stadium, there's just something about it. No, 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 no. Listen, I, you're doing the right thing. I know if you were in Bradford, you'd be going to every game. Do you know what I mean? It'd become part of your religion for your family. So I told, you, and it's something to do with the weekends. I get it. Look, if there was an NFL team on our doorstep, I'd be I'd be a season ticket holder every Sunday. I'd be at a game. If 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 someone else opened up another soccer franchise, you know, I'd probably be involved. It's just them I can't be. So that's just the principal thing after getting fucked in that deal. But anyway, well, look, let's let's answer a few questions. Um, or do we want to talk about quickly the football? The bizarre this week. I mean, Sky Talk Sport, BBC. Everyone's come on to me that while I'm on holiday about the. Obviously, the, what's it called? The the white paper that was produced, um, you know, about football. Yeah. You, so let's let's finish wrapping up on Apple TV. I want to say we've talked a lot about EFL and the EFL broadcast deal. Yes. Um, and bubble, bubble. The, uh, Apple has to be the blueprint Absolutely. for what the EFL does. The ability to watch any game at any time for any supporter uh, I, has I, to be what they do. I saw it. I saw it. Was, it was Kieran McGuire the other day posted something on Twitter about an article in the mail about there was double money were being offered for the EFL rights. I, I've said this all along. 
we, we go and sell to a streamer. I know Dazone are in conversations, other ones. Sky have, you know, at 100 million. We have to sell to the highest bidder. Or can we just go and explore the whole EFL Plus thing I spoke about? Because if these people are going to pay 200 million, you know, who's to say we can't get more doing it ourselves? But maybe for now we take the deal. You know, we take it for, I wouldn't be signing five and 10 year deals. I'd be signing three year deals because I just think this is going to get more expensive. But Apple and Amazon have to come to the party. You know, if, they, if they're doing MLS, with all due respect, the REFL have got bigger viewing figures than the MLS. So if Apple are paying 2.5 billion for the MLS over 10 years, that's 250 million a year. So, you know, they, they got to be writing a check for 300 million. Yeah, the cumulative viewing figures for MLS is nothing compared to the EFL. If, if Apple go and get the EFL, it would be a massive cap and feather in their cap, like massive. And they could write a 300 million for them is like you and me spending $2. So, so you know, they, they could go and write that check right now. So I'm excited about that. This white paper then. So I have to admit, I've not really seen too much of what's in it with all my travel that I've been, uh, been on. So what's, what are the, some of the key findings then? It's, key recommendations. The, it's the wish list about sharing more money um, making sure the owners and directors test is stronger um, things that will benefit fans protecting football clubs institutions you know um, uh, basically making sure rogue ownership isn't in place the biggest thing in there that everyone who owns the football club would be like you know potentially forced not forcing but encouraging the Premier League to spread the wealth a little bit better so you know, without getting controversial, I didn't want to go on any of the media things I'm on holiday. I need to see more in action. I need to see more of what's coming. But the wish list would be, look, Premier League, there's a few owners now in the Premier League worried about it, worried about the, the oversight and the regulation coming from government. Oversight and, you know, potentially being overreach. Get down with Rick Parry and do a deal. You've had like two years to do this. You knew this was coming. Well, you know, be proactive. You know, so, so get in front of it, do a deal. We all know the deal's not right. We all know that the, the pyramid is like, you know, the way it's split, the money and everything else, that we're, we're starving down here. You know, we are seven rungs down in the first class, in first class cabin at the back, you know, but, you know, we're bringing a lot more to the party than maybe them in the back of the bottom of the Titanic. So, you know, you're going to have to start writing bigger checks. You're going to have to start doing better deals. You're going to have to start giving us some, a fair shake. And that goes for the EFL too. You love giving the championship a lot of the money, but you know there's some bigger clubs in League One and League Two than are in the championship. With all due respect, so again, can we look at the disparity there, where we get twelve, you get eight, and then they get the rest? So you know, in COVID, some of those clubs got four and five million. I think we got a million or whatever it was. So you know, heck, can we can we look at shaking the whole thing up? It has to happen. It's long overdue. I'm all for better governance. I'm all for making sure there's no rogue owners so we don't have a Barry and we don't have a situation that's happened before but you know we, something has to give i don't i don't know how the government and how this is going to implicate or force things to happen mark palios is on speaking about it he, he speaks very well because of his experience within the game and the industry and he was very right that we all have to get our own house in order as well it's all very well us screaming and shouting while peter carries millions in debt that maybe it shouldn't and needs to get its own house in order and be more self-sustainable so it's definitely i think a period the next three to five years of more growth more wealth shared, more clubs getting their act together, and um, making it more affordable for fans to go to games. Um, all those things need to happen. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think we all have to look at ourselves and look in the mirror and go, can we do better running our football clubs? None of those things are going to happen because it's the right thing to do, though, are they? So it's like what you think of it as being a negotiation. So you need to create some bargaining chips. I'll tell you what was interesting, Phil. How, how long have I been moaning every transfer window about 900 million out of a billion going out the door? 
and abroad. Mm-hmm. Going off to Italy, going off to France, you know, Chelsea. Oh, there's another twenty million pound. Oh, there's another nineteen, twenty year old in I don't know the Ukraine or wherever he was playing football. Oh, let's write a check for twenty million. Another kid in France we've never heard of. Twenty eight million. Yeah, but EFL players are too expensive. I'll tell you what I liked in there was there was it was very much mentioned about the amount of transfer fees that have left the UK and gone overseas, saying if the Premier League can keep spending a billion quid every transfer window, they can definitely redo some of the money in the pyramid. Yeah, They can afford to. Because I think there was mention about a levy coming in. If you spend money, it's like a 10% levy that goes back into the Football League. I'd mentioned that idea before as well. And obviously a few of the owners shit themselves and people in the Premier League, right, can't do that. Yeah, but you're spending another... I mean, you see some of the players that were voting in January and they're in say, the Chelsea team and other teams. With all due respect, you're telling me the talent isn't in the EFL. There's, there's a lot of talent in the EFL. So, um, yeah, I've always said that. To me, there's a disparity and it, it needs to happen. So, And that strengthens the England team ultimately as well because, you, you know, I was reading about amusement across Europe about the sums of figures that were spent by English clubs, you know, both sending money out, um, you know, but just amongst themselves as well. If we're... <laughs> starving those foreign leagues of that money then they don't have the money to put into the development of their own international or players to go through their international leagues and the english system does i agree with you you know we're writing checks to you know um uh, germany to italy to spain like mama checks um you know amounts that are just like the boy who came for i forget where is he shakhtar donestar you know 90 million the boy chelsea brought in or whatever else i mean the Argentinian lad who came from Benfica, 126 million. I'm just like, come on, like, come on. Like, you know, I get it, you know, but there's some tremendous young English talents. Don't tell me that Declan Rice isn't worth X amount when you see that guy. You know, come on, come on. There's some bloody good talent in the UK. Um, so again, we, we have to, you know, let, let's see what happens. Time's going to tell. But if I were the Premier League, I'd be making, I'd be, I'd be having those meetings now and shifting the narrative and coming out with good news. And if you don't want it to happen, if you don't want it, you know, I don't know where we go from there. Where legally it'll have to happen because you, you know, where there's going to be a, a, a regulator, you know, that's government. Yeah, and maybe that's the chip. Does the Premier League go get ahead of it now, do a deal, and say to the EFL, but you got to tell the government we don't need oversight, we don't need a regulator. <laughs> that's the bargaining chip that we have, isn't it? Maybe they've missed the boat. Maybe they've missed the boat. I don't know. I don't know. But. It needs to change. Well, let's wrap up with a question we have from Jacob, who's next to fan. Uh, Jacob says, love what Dara has done over the years at Posh and envious of such a great owner from an outside perspective. I want to say as an Exeter fan, you know, there's a lot of clubs that are envious of what you're doing at Exeter as well. So um, the setup there is really good. As a Bradford fan, I look at what you've achieved at Exeter um, and just think it's wonderful. So I will say that. Now, his question, he has a couple of questions, but I think one is a little bit, dependent on the owner. So I'm going to go to the second question, which is how much would it cost, generally speaking, to buy a club in each one of the different leagues? Like what's the general range of a League 2, League 1 championship club from evaluation? Uh, millions. Millions. Um, you know, I've always said that. People laughed at my valuation of Peterborough. But, you know, when I did my deal a few years ago, it valued the club at like 12, 13. You know, we turned down, myself, my two partners, um, over 16 for it in the summer. Um, you know, that was without the stadium. So, it, you know, Hull went for 25 plus whatever. It just comes down to a specific particular deal. Are you buying a club with no debt? Are you buying a club with loads of debt? I guess your owner at Bradford would value Bradford at seven, eight, nine million. You're buying a club with no stadium. And, and the argument would be, 
how many player assets worth the millions do you have? My argument's always about our valuation is, well, Efren Mason-Clark is worth millions, Paco's worth millions, Jack Taylor's worth millions, Ronnie Edwards is worth millions, Ivan Tony gets sold as another six, seven million. You can see why our valuations of the club, do you know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know. What would you value Bradford at? So, and then you could probably pick up a few League 2 clubs. I know some recent deals, they were at the 5 million, 6 million range. Some deals that were done in League 2. I'm not saying Bradford's, you know, 5, 6 million. But I know, like, I want to say the Crawley deal, you know, Gillingham, you know, Gillingham probably a bit more than that. There's there's a difference sometimes between what you're valued at and what somebody's willing to pay. Absolutely. You know, because you look at the Bradford, for example, and yes, our owner wants 8, 9, 10 million. Is the valuation there? Well, you know, depends how you value the club. If it's there from an asset perspective, no, the club doesn't have that valuation. But if you look at future potential, then, you know, that's a different story yeah yeah i i i, I agree with you yeah yeah you, you, you know would i give the bradford owner eight nine ten million no you know what i mean because i'd be saying well what am i getting am i getting a training ground am i getting a stadium am i getting stadium headaches instead you know have i got a squad worth players worth more than what i'm paying um what, what am i getting okay i'm getting the name okay i'll do a deal i'll give you some incentives and that will be over time and da 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 da, da but you're absolutely right bradford in the championship could be worth three four times that but that all you know, not only the football and forget about Bradford, this could be any club, the stadium, the training ground, the academy, all those things like Peterborough has a tier two academy. Peterborough has a stadium. Peterborough has a new stadium on the horizon. You know what I mean? You, you, yes, we have debt like every other football club and we'd like to reduce that, but it all depends on the circumstances. Ipswich was bought for a pretty number because, you know, it was a club in good shape with a previous owner who plowed a lot of money in and wasn't going to walk away without getting a sizable check. Now you'd say Ipswich is probably in a, a better position now because Ashton has done a good job and they've got young assets and players worth money and whatever. You turn around and say, if you go to the championship, Luton, Luton now, you know, they have a new stadium on the horizon, they're top six all the time, worth a lot of money. Coventry six years ago probably wasn't worth nine, 10 million. Now Coventry, top half championship team, you know, young players, assets, you know, some good transfer business, good manager. You wouldn't get Coventry for under 25 million. So things change very quickly. You know, Huddersfield five years ago, I think when Dean originally sold it, sold it for, I don't know, what was it 50 million or whatever the deal he did? You know, now they're struggling. Birmingham, the same thing. So it just depends. It, it, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to pick up well-known clubs for next to nothing. But you can definitely get a League Two club for four or five million. You could definitely go into non-league and maybe get a previous giant for a lot less. It depends who the owner is. It depends on the financial circumstances of the club. You know, that's what it comes down to. So good question. Interesting question. Exeter's fan owned. So, you know, again, you want to flip the script and do a Wrexham? You got to get all the fans like at AFC Wimbledon to vote, agree, and let in private, you know, investment come in who's going to want the majority stake. Because nobody in the right mind is going to plan millions in a club and be a minority stakeholder. They're going to want the majority, right? So it, it, it just depends. It's interesting when you're a fan-owned club because you're a fan-owned club for a reason and you get that stability, but you don't necessarily have the financial injection. And so it's the balance of now we've got everything we wanted at being a fan-owned club. But, I mean, I think Exeter's a little bit of an exception because of how well they've done under this uh, model. Did. Phenomenal. But, uh, well, but if you want the, more money, you've got to go away from being a fan-owned club. The next challenge for a fan-owned club is can you get to the championship? Can you get yeah. to the champ? Because you got obviously, you know, you, you've had your... Um, 
uh, Wimbledon's get to League One, actually get to League One. Can they get to the next stage? Can they get to the championship? Can they stay in the championship? Can they can they build in this industry without a rich benefactor with somebody who's going to put money in? It's very difficult to do that because you, an Exeter or a crew or one of these teams who generate brilliant young players can't keep them. They can't keep them. Yeah. You know, Exeter will have the next batch of players right now in the cycle who are coming to the end of a contract. They won't sign a new one because they want to play higher. And Exeter aren't going to pay them five, six, seven grand a week. So they're going to have mm-hmm. to sell them. If they're in the last year or they're running down a contract that they're under 24 now, they're not going to get the big bucks. So it, 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 it's, it's that balancing act. So you have to give credit to the Exeter manager, the people who run it, Julian at Exeter. They do a phenomenal job. As I've always said, you know, uh, crew have done, AFC Wimbledon have done. Yeah. You know, they, they, with what they've got and what they do, you can always be nothing but complimentary towards those clubs because I just believe there has to be a place in our pyramid for your Exeters, your crews, your AFC Wimbledons, your Colchesters, your clubs who basically run academies, who basically rely on young players, who don't go and spend more than they earn. You know, I, I love clubs. I'm, I'm envious of clubs like that because I would be the other side of that where I try and run a really good ship and now we're starting to at the academy, but we overspend sometimes. Sometimes we, we, we get excited and we have a go and, you know, we, we, can, we can put ourselves, people will moan about the amount of debt we carry. You're right, but that's us being overambitious. Sometimes you have to go, okay, trust your academy, pull that back. And it's kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to retool us in a way where we're not too top-heavy in either one. We don't over-rely on our academy, and we don't over-rely on investing in transfer fees. Can we get a match in the middle and be a, a, a second-tier club? So that, that's the challenge. Where one or two or three investments are what makes the difference 100%. to what you've already got. Yeah, correct. And, and instead of saying previous cycles that when we built promotion teams and I had to recruit 17, 18 new players, making sure nine of them come from the academy and nine from outside, as opposed to 18 from outside, or 15 from outside and three from the academy. And, and I believe what I'm seeing in our 16s and 18s, we've got a dearth of talent that's about to just explode. So, so it's, it's just, it's, but still being ambitious to go, hey, Jack Taylor gets sold. I'm going to go and spend four or five hundred grand on the next Jack Taylor. Jono gets sold. I haven't got it in the academy. I'm going to have to write a check for a million quid again, like I did for him, plus, plus, and plus to bring in a goal scorer. So we, we still want to be ambitious, but we want to be sensible. So, so that, that is where we are now as we retool, you know? So, yeah, all good. All good, people. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up there. Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Dubai and have a good week with the football. We were just saying before we recorded that um, you had a couple of wins while you've been in Dubai, so you may have to stay there if you win again on Tuesday. Long may it continue. I'll be here for the next 15 <laughs> games plus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy California. Safe travels out there. Knock it dead business-wise. And to all the fans out there, the podcast, thank you for your support. To the trolls, I forgive you. Thank you for your support. <laughs> I'm only joking. And uh, long may it continue, yeah? All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Brilliant, guys. Bye.